You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports, Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com, your trusty, if not talented, host of the program, which you can hear each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolates here out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa with what feels like our college football world crumbling not so much here regionally just yet, though. Hold on to the rope, folks. I know that takes you back a little bit to the Fran era, if you're an Alabama fan. But it's not quite done here. And if you need a pick-me-up, trust me, Peter Brook Chocolatier can take care of you. Those dark chocolate espresso beans. You know, I may have to check with the chocolate lady and see if she can get those liquefied into sort of IV form. I may need those in the coming days. But Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. In that Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa, there to serve you. Joined on the program, as always, by executive producer Joe Gaither, who together we combine to form the 60 minute boo of Sports Talk Radio. Joe, is this thing on? Check, check. Are we still here after the news and the events of the last, I don't know, 48 to 72 hours? We're good, right? We're here. Yeah, you're coming through loud and clear. Uh, maybe a little anxious, but everything's working so far. <laughs> I don't know what else to do at this point, Joe, but to sort of laugh through the tears a little bit as what a weekend, man, you know, and it kind of started to play out this way four or five, six weeks ago. Remember when this stuff started bleeding into weekends with the news cycle in regards to the potential for a college football season? Well, it happened again and you knew it was coming. I mean, this is where we're at. This is the point, right? And you've got teams already practicing. You've got teams like Alabama and the SEC set to start practice one week from today. So you knew a lot of news potentially was coming down the pike, and that's exactly what's happened. Started with a little old MAC conference over the weekend of all leagues, and it seemed like to be maybe a bigger domino than I was giving it credit for at the time because the MAC conference opting out, made total sense economically i talk about i talk about economics with this situation we're currently in with play or don't play in college football and when the economics don't meet up 
with the potential for some really bad optics, then you pull the plug. So for the Mac, it made sense to go to the spring because all of the bye games that were tied into conference-only schedules, like the one put forth by the Big Ten and the one put forth by the SEC, I believe the Mac still had a game with a Big 12 opponent, a couple of opponents, I guess, in the ACC. But the overall inventory took a massive hit. And I'm an admitted recovering cynic. But even I know the presidents of the MAC didn't make the call to go to the spring based solely on health concerns. Again, ultimately, economics didn't make the risk of the health. Yeah, you got to consider the health, obviously, of the students and the student athletes. But it didn't make sense for the optics either. You know, that's not the case as much with Power Fives, with the TV money sitting there. But then we saw it just moments ago, the report from the Detroit Free Press up there in Big Ten country reporting that, in fact, the Big Ten has decided to pull the plug on fall football for the 2020 season. And the expectation now being that the Pac-12, just like it did in going to a conference-only schedule initially, will follow the lead of Big Brother Big Ten. More and more as this plays out, you get the sense that the Pac-12 right now is Fredo to the Big Ten's Michael Corleone, right? If the Big Ten at this point told the Pac-12, hey, you know what's good for a cough? Antifreeze. I think the Pac-12 might say, make it a double. I think that's where we're at with the alliance between the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And we all know you've got the Rose Bowl pairing and all those things. It goes back many, many years. So now we sit and wait. We wait to see what the Southeastern Conference will do. We wait to see what the Big 12 will do, the ACC. Uh, Because once again, right, the Big Ten right out in front. Big Ten was right out in front and sort of breaking away from the other Power Fives and going initially to the conference-only approach. The Big Ten was out in front with trying to play football as early as September the 3rd. Maybe that was a bit of a problem here, you think, for the Big Ten? The SEC sort of biding its time, putting off a projected start to its season until September the 26th. You know, those three or four weeks could mean a lot. Here it is, August the 10th, and you are in a situation, if you're the Big Ten, if you're just dead set on starting your season Labor Day weekend, then hell yeah, you got to make a call on August the 10th. If your season starts on September the 26th, that's not so much the case. But the Big Ten did go ahead and, and pull the trigger. And you feel for the fans. You, more than anything, you feel for the players, and we saw that sort of Uh, that unity among players across the country, across the sport, come to the forefront on social media last night. Uh, Trevor Lawrence kind of spearheading that. You saw Justin Fields. You saw right here Najee Harris running back for Alabama, part of the hashtag we want to play campaign that took over your social media timelines on Sunday evening. So, you know, you feel for fans because – You talk about mental health and the impact that it has on a lot of folks in terms of not just their happiness, but in some instances, as pathetic as this may sound, 
and as sad as it may sound, there's some, a lot of self-worth uh, for some fans that is banked almost entirely on what happens in college football. You pray for those folks as much as anything, but it's it's the case. You know, and there's certainly fans, there's passionate fans in the Big Ten as well. But we've got a Chicago Bears fan as the producer of this program in Joe Gaither. So he probably has a sense for the the culture of the football fan in places outside the Southeast. In other words, there's not going to be Big Ten football this year, but it still looks like Ohio State fans are going to have the Bengals and the Browns. There's not going to be apparently Michigan football this fall, but those people are still going to have the Lions. There's not going to be Penn State football, it doesn't appear, but those folks are still going to have the Steelers and the Eagles, right? That's not the case down here. This is the NFL. Southeastern Conference football is the NFL. Okay, there are the Saints, there are all those Falcons, you know, There are the Titans. There are the Jaguars. Don't laugh. Don't laugh at my Jaguars. Uh, But really, when you get outside of those teams, I I know there's Tampa Bay. I know there's Miami. That's such. Those are such transient communities. It's. I, I don't. I never get the sense with those towns that they are truly college football hotbeds. Maybe Tampa. Not so much Miami. Uh, but in the South. You know, it's it's the college hot college football hotbeds, and within those areas, those pockets, you've got the Saints, Titans, Jags, and Falcons. That's essentially it. Jacksonville, Atlanta, Nashville, New Orleans; those qualify as SEC hotbeds. Now, of those teams, I would say the Saints, in terms of passion in a fan base, is comparable to the SEC. I wouldn't say so much for the the Titans, Jags, or or Falcons. So, you know, it's a totally different culture for football in this part of the country. And it's also the financial impact that we've talked about. And I know when you talk about the financial impact, the potential for that in the SEC and towns like Tuscaloosa and Athens and Gainesville, look, it's not just the college towns. You know, it's not just those places that, host the universities and there's a lot of folks that bunk down in say Birmingham instead of Tuscaloosa you know some people may stay in Montgomery surrounding towns and cities in general you know it's pretty encompassing when you talk about the big the big hit potentially so there's a lot of factors in play here if you'd like to talk about it we can do that at 205-342-9904 that is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line. So the Big Ten is out. You can go ahead and figure the Pac-12 is out. And again, we wait to see what happens with the Southeastern Conference. You know, I was ready to talk about this. It seems like 20 years ago now that this happened. But it was just Friday evening. Friday at 5, we got the word of the additional SEC opponents for league schedules for the upcoming season. We couldn't even get to Monday's show to sort of review Teams like Missouri and Kentucky coming on Alabama's schedule, the winners and losers of maybe the scheduling fallout before we're back in apocalyptic mode, which is where we're at right now. And again, it was good to see last night. 
it was good to see Trevor Lawrence and all the players. I look, I get it, man, and that's why I feel for those folks more than anybody. I get that, you know, because what we see is the very best part of being what they are. We see Saturday. You know, we don't see January the 23rd at 5.30 in the morning throwing up in a garbage can while doing mat drills or running 110s in 110-degree real-feel heat in July. We don't see that. So sort of our perspective of what it's about to be Trevor Lawrence or forget about Trevor Lawrence being the 85th scholarship guy on a roster and what goes into that. It's anything but glamorous, mostly. It is not. But you see the sort of uprising of the players on social media, and again, the talk of a potential union starts up. Um, that's not going to happen. There's not going to be a college football union, college football players union, because unionization involves employees of private companies, which most college football programs, Alabama included, do not qualify. And you need to also understand that that we want to play movement doesn't necessarily mean we want to play at all costs. You know what I mean? There are some concerns that are still going to have to be met, not so much anymore when it comes to say, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, apparently. Uh, But the players aren't saying to hell with protocols, we just want to ball. That's not what they're saying here. In fact, there are likely plenty of college football players who don't want a central group of players like Trevor Lawrence, like some of the star power you've seen here in the last 18 hours come to the forefront. They don't want those people speaking on their behalf because they don't fall in line with that sort of mindset or approach we talked about it last week with Cecil Hurt the way I see this ultimately playing out from the player's perspective name image and likeness increased freedom of movement from the transfer perspective and improved health coverage and working in health care conditions in general I think that's what you're looking at right now you know a plan for student athletes a health plan for student-athletes that isn't just a supplement to, say, a player's primary insurance that's provided by his or her parents. You also need more guarantees in all likelihood, or you're going to see more guarantees in terms of health coverage for injuries that are sustained on the field, that in the years following the completion of eligibility, you're still going to be able to get that covered if you're an ex-student athlete. It was interesting last night, though, man, with all this and all this talk of a potential players' union because there's a lot of folks out there that I really believe in everyday life, they are very much anti-union. But when it comes to the possibility of getting their college football played, oh, yeah, let's crank it up. Let's crank up the players' union. You know, now that we've reached sort of DEFCOM 4 where losing the fall football season is concerned, we had a few conversions from anti-union to pro-union on the Twitter last night. Funny how that works, right? Well, here's what we're going to do on the program coming up here in just a few minutes. We're going to try to restore some semblance of normalcy, right? We're going to talk college football recruiting. 
because that train never stops. And we're going to do that with Hank South at BamaOnline.com. Look forward to talking with Hank coming up. You got a couple of prospects of note on commitment watch for the Alabama Crimson Tide coming up. We'll get into some of that with Hank as well. And we'll continue the discussion. Who knows what's going to happen during the time that we talk with Hank as far as the upcoming season is concerned. But first, Hank South coming up next on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Partially sunny this afternoon. We'll have the chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms through the evening hours. Today's high 93, tonight's low 72. Tomorrow and Wednesday, a mix of sun and clouds both days with scattered afternoon and evening thunderstorms. Highs between 90 and 93. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide. Back with more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. As always, the show brought to you in part by Houston Hydrasteam, home of the Houston Rug Revival. Give them a call right now, 205-553-9460. That's going to put you in touch with Jackie, his outstanding staff, locally owned, locally operated. They're going to take care of your carpets, your rugs, your upholstery, your tile and grout cleaning, wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling, Houston Hydrasteam. The call to make right now, 205-553-9460, Houston Hydrasteam. Quality work you can stand on. Let's head back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line at 205-342-9904, where we have our good friend Hank South, recruiting analyst for us there at BamaOnline.com. And, Hank, we bring you on on this Monday morning in part because, man, we need some stability in our college football lives right now, (laughs) especially after this weekend. And, look, on the college football recruiting front anyway, yeah, there's been the extended dead period and we've lost summer camps and the May evaluation period, the spring evaluation period. Um, but it seems like the one aspect of the sport right now that has been least affected is, is that at least what you're encountering and what you do? Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like a pretty normal, um, summer covering recruiting, if not, you know, busier than, uh, than what we've seen, you know, obviously Bama has gone on such a, such a big run since, uh, since, you know, mid May adding, um, the, the commitments that they have to the class, several five stars climbing all the way up to to number two in the country so yeah you know it's been business as usual from a recruiting angle um and you know we'll we'll see if that continues going forward into the fall yeah you know it seems like in some of those weekends in the last month it was almost like clockwork you had alabama commitments on fridays or sundays and i guess the last couple weekends have been pretty quiet on that front but Sounds like that could change as early as this Saturday. 
Yeah, Bama has a couple of uh, top targets set to announce commitments on Saturday. Um, the first one will be Monkel Goodwine, the four-star defensive lineman from uh, from Maryland. He's uh, he's down to five schools. Um, you know, Alabama, Texas A&M have kind of been the programs mentioned most with him. Clemson is kind of making a late push, trying to stay involved for him as well. Um, I, I'm told, you know, he told me there's actually an update up on, on Bama Online right now that he's he's looking to announce the decision around 11 or, or 12 on Saturday um, Central Time. So uh, be on the lookout for that. I, I think Bama's in a good spot there. Um, I, I think he's pretty intent on playing in the SEC, and I, I think they've kind of done the best job of recruiting him and, and really kind of opened his eyes. Um, so we'll see there. Um, and then another big announcement from Kyrie Jackson, the junior college cornerback, from East Mississippi, um, number one junior college cornerback in the country per 24-7 sports. He's announcing a decision at 6 p.m. Central Time on Saturday evening. Um, he's down to Alabama, Florida, Oregon, and Oklahoma. Um, and that's another one. You know, it, it seems like Bama's in a good spot there. I, I know his head coach went on the radio a couple weeks ago um, and said Bama was, uh, I think, you know, the, the school he was leaning to. But, um, you know, he, he's been pretty quiet about it as far as, you know, naming any public leaders or anything. He's gone as far as naming the top four. But seems like Bama's in a good, in a good spot there for him entering um, the weekend. I, I think it could depend on, you know, when, when he wants to uh, enroll, whether that be early um, or, uh, you know, wait it out and potentially play in the spring um, at East Mississippi. So that's one we're watching as well. But it could be potentially a very big weekend for Alabama. Could be a Saturday double dip. Right. For the Crimson Tide coming up now, Kyrie Jackson does doesn't he have ties to the the DMV or the DC Maryland area like Goodwine, uh, Hank? He does, um, and he actually it's kind of interesting. He when we first talked with him when um, Alabama offered back in May, he was actually out working out with um, Trevon Diggs, who you know obviously is from the DMV area as well. So he he is from that area originally. I think he went to. Um, Dr. Henry Wise High School, um, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So um, from that area, certainly, you know, a, a region Bama recruits really well um, under Nick Saban in you know, recent years, especially. Yeah, we kind of wondered when Mike Loxley took that job at Maryland, it, mm-hmm. how much or if that would impact Alabama with kids up that way. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case, although I guess you could say a trade was made with Talia. Tonga Vailoa going up to Maryland <laughs> from Alabama. By the way, some good news for Talia here in the last few days. If there is a season, um, and unfortunately for Talia right now, he's on a team in a league that seems reportedly on the verge of at least postponing the Big Ten season. Uh, Talia Tonga Vailoa will be eligible immediately for the Maryland Terrapins. Now, Hank. There was some big news over the weekend with a commitment. It just wasn't a commitment to Alabama, but Jason Marshall, the five-star corner from the Miami area, been very much involved with Alabama. I guess hometown Miami's been in that mix as well, along with the home state Gators. He pulled the trigger on Sunday. Now, is that one over? Uh, Is this a guy that you think is going to make that pledge and that's going to be the end of it? Or do you see Alabama potentially staying in this race for Marshall? You know, I, I think Bama will, will stay in it as long as, you know, he's showing mutual interest, which, you know, thus far, the commitment's less than, you know, 12 hours old, roughly. So, you know, he's, uh, I, I think it's still kind of in the early stages. We'll see if, you know, he stays in contact with the staff and if he still continues to express interest. I would imagine he would. I think, you know, I think most kids are still, especially, you know, 
with the visit calendar kind of uncertain and, uh, you know, not really clear on what's going to happen. But, yeah, his commitment to, to Florida on Sunday evening, was, I mean, it was a surprise, but at the same time, it, it wasn't a surprise. You know, it, it was thought, you know, in the month of July that it was an Alabama-Florida race. You know, some people were projecting Alabama. Um, you know, the, Florida, uh, the, the crystal ball stuck on Florida for a while. Um, and then on, uh, on s- the first Saturday of this month, uh, Miami, you know, started to get some momentum going or some buzz generating and uh, actually took the crystal ball lead for, for, uh, for Jason Marshall. Um, then he comes out on, sun- uh, on, on Sunday and commits to Florida. So it's kind of a, a wild little run up to his commitment. But I, I think Bama will stay involved as long as, you know, he, he's continuing to express interest as well. And I guess with that commitment, it underscores what could happen on Saturday uh, with Kyrie Jackson um, and then potentially down the road with, of course, Jaquincy McKinstry. Right. And, and, and yeah, you know, it's, it's certainly a position of need. You know, Alabama has Devontae Smith committed currently at the cornerback position. Uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're looking to add, you know, I would imagine at least at least two more. And, you know, Kyrie Jackson could be one. And, you know, Kyrie Jackson's a guy that, you know, could step in and play right away. Um, so he, he would certainly add that kind of a immediate impact factor. Um, Jaquincy McKinstry, obviously, you know, we're not really sure when he's going to announce a commitment. Some think he will soon. He, you know, he's saying he wants to do it soon. But, you know, that's kind of been what he's been saying since the spring. So I, I think he's still pretty torn on, you know, his final three as, as he works on making a decision. Now, you made an adjustment to your confidence level for your crystal ball for Kool-Aid, right? Yeah. As it relates to Alabama here in the last few days, what went into sort of lowering uh, that confidence level? And, and where are you at right now in terms of trying to do the impossible when it comes to young folks? And that's sort of forecast what might <laughs> be next. Uh, but but with, with McKinstry, you did make a change there. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think I started out a little bit too high for this recruitment. Um, I, I started out with an eight confidence, and obviously for those not familiar with it, it it's one through ten, obviously ten being you think it's a lock. Um, and, you know, I had it on eight. I think that was a little too high. You know, I don't think there's a true leader right now. You know, some some are saying, you know, Auburn um, has an edge. Um, you know, LSU's been talked about a lot, and then, of course, Alabama as well. I, I think he's genuinely torn on, on making a decision. I, I do think, you know, it's going to come down to Alabama and Auburn or Auburn. Um, but you know, I think eight was just too high for this recruitment at this point. So I, I put it down to six, which I think was a little bit more reasonable. Um, I, you know, I, I think, you know, you look at the, the, the factors Alabama has working in its favor, obviously the need at the position, they're recruiting him, um, for basketball as well, which is a, an important, um, thing for, for Quincy McKinstry. Um, you know, the opportunity to be coached by Nick Saban, he has a really strong relationship with Carl Scott, who's also, um, you know, his area recruiter. So there, there's a lot of factors working in Alabama's favor. Um, you could say the same for, for Auburn, you know, with Bruce Pearl recruiting him for uh, for basketball. And then I think Auburn is also, you know, telling him he, he can play receiver as well. Um, so that's something that's, uh, you know, intriguing to him. So there's, you know, you can make an argument for each of these three schools in his top three. Um, I, I just think, you know, at the end of the day, um, I, I, I believe Alabama will, will win out. I'm just not as confident as I was originally. Wow. Basketball, the potential of playing on both sides of the ball. I mean, we might have some schools throwing in baseball, Bo Jackson style, <laughs> at some point here in the near future where Kool-Aid is concerned. Now, Hank, we tried to get out of the DMV there for just a little bit. We brought it closer to home here in the southeast. But let's go by, right back up there because another major target for Alabama, this one at the wide receiver position, recently narrowed his list of schools down to five. 
Alabama already with three stellar wide receiver commitments for the 2021 cycle. Uh, but this is a young guy that could potentially uh, add to that group uh, in, in Malcolm Johnson Jr., I guess. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. You know, we were just talking about Alabama and Auburn for Jaquincy McKinstry um, in-state. Now we're going to back to the DMV area for, for uh, Malcolm Johnson, which could end up being an Alabama-Auburn battle uh, for him. So um, he, he actually kind of um, – took one of these these new uh, recruiting tactics um, this I guess this past week or a week before last um, he took visits down to Alabama Auburn LSU and uh, and Georgia I believe um, in his top five um, to check out the campuses on his own we've seen some recruits be um, doing that during the dead period obviously you know recruits are welcome to go visit they just can't have face-to-face contact with the coaching staffs um, so he did that got um, an in-person feel which was really important to him as far as you know making a decision. Um, so got to Tuscaloosa, um, checked everything out. I actually actually put a crystal ball pick in favor of Alabama at the end of last month. I still feel good about that. Um, Steve Wolfong with 24-7 Sports crystal balled uh, Malcolm Johnson to Auburn after this set of visits, which, you know, I, you know I, I, again, similar to Quincy McKinstry, I don't think, you know, there's maybe a true favorite at this point. I just think, you know, Bama, um, you know, pressing for him. He's one of the top two wide receiver targets with, with Brian Thomas. Um, I think they've really impressed him. And similar to Jaquincy, again, he's a two-sport guy. He's going to run track just like uh, the other wide receiver commitment, Christian Leary. So I think Bama has some, some factors working in his favor there. I think that, you know they have a good opportunity to, to add him to the fold um, when he makes a decision, which there's no set timeline, but it could be sooner rather than later. Well, Hank, as always, we appreciate you taking the time. We hope you had a couple of uh, semi-enjoyable weekends here with no Alabama commitments uh, but it looks like it may crank up once again coming up this weekend. Always great stuff with Hank South. We appreciate it, my man. Yes, sir. Thanks, Travis. There he goes. Hank South, recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com. Back with more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. South. Hank always drops the dimes here on the program. Could be another big uh, recruiting weekend for Alabama football. So if you're a Crimson Tide fan, take some solace in what could be coming on Saturday for the Crimson Tide on the gridiron. From a recruiting perspective, been a really good run there for Nick Saban and his staff looking to once again 
between Goodwine and Jackson, two more guys with ties to that DMV area up there that's been so good to Alabama football in the Nick Saban era. We'll see if it produces once again. You know, one of the questions I have, if there isn't a football season, now, what are the expectations for the players the rest of the fall in, say, the Big Ten and if the Pac-12 follows suit? Who knows? Maybe it all goes up in smoke at the Power Five level. Regardless, at places where there's not going to be football, let's say the Big Ten, you going to lock the guys out of the facilities between now and January if you try to play in the spring, if you're one of these leagues that's going to play in the spring? You're just going to say, hey, guys, go intermingle with the rest of the student base, and then just come back in January, and then we'll figure it all out. Well, I guess the question I have right now, and, and probably because it's been five months and we still don't have any real solid answers to this COVID-19 situation, is it really going to be all that different in January? I keep hearing, you know, if we can just get to 2021, and, and maybe it will be. I would suspect that at least from a testing perspective, will be much further along. But a vaccine, therapies, things like that, where are we going to be with that? And so, you know, as a parent of a incoming freshman on the University of Alabama campus, it just seems like there's contradictions here with football. And I'm not advocating either way. I'm not, you know, we, we haven't tried to lead you down a path either way on this program. We haven't been, and the the simple reason for that is we don't know, and we still don't, but we haven't been adamant about, oh, heck yeah, there's going to be a college football season, 100% sure, don't worry about it. We weren't going to take you down that path. I'm not going to insult your intelligence on a daily basis like some folks will. I'm going to go into this every day thinking that, you have enough walk-around sense to operate a vehicle that takes a little bit more thought process than, say, an electric golf cart. I'm I'm working on that premise when I deal with with the listeners out there. I respect you. Uh, I don't think I can take you down paths, and then at the end of it, when the rug gets pulled out from under you, go, well, you know, this was somebody else's fault, not me for taking you down that path. Either way telling you there isn't going to be football, telling you there is going to be football. Because I truly, I'll be the first to tell you, I, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not a social media scientist. Talked about those folks. Got so many friends and people I apparently grew up with that were scientists all along. I never knew it. But it's amazing just to see their work on Facebook and other outlets. Anyway, um, but with a with a kid over at UA, it's just, The contradiction just seems to be that, you know, it's okay to have a dormitory like Tutwiler Hall that's 13 stories, okay? And you're going to put probably not maximum occupancy in there, but you're going to put, I would guess, five times more just students in that building. They're already in there with Rush going on. Even though Rush for the sororities is virtual this time around, it's all virtual. You still have the Rush candidates in Tutwiler right now. I've got one over there, and that's deemed okay. But 
if you're going to say, well, there's no football, you know, but we're still going to, you know, have students in close proximity to one another in dorms everywhere else around campus, there, there's a contradiction there, isn't it? It's a bit of a contradiction. And if your plan is to tell your student athletes, your football players, okay, look, that's a wrap. But uh, and and don't come to the facility until January or whatever. That that's not a plan either. That's not a plan either. Conversely, if you do say, "Well, look, we're not going to have a season, but you guys still need to be in here five days a week," then what that is, what it tells you, is that this was more than just a little bit about optics at the presidential level, right? Because if it's business as usual, Monday through Friday, which I don't really have a problem with because with that sports science center over there off Bryant Drive now, Jeff Allen, his staff, if you're a student athlete right now, if you're a student at the University of Alabama, probably the best place you can be on a daily basis is over there at the Malmore Athletic Facility. You know, I feel like my daughter's in bigger danger greater danger of contracting COVID-19 right now than is Jalen Waddle. You know what you had to have to check in at Tutwiler Hall a week ago Saturday? We dropped off the youngest there. You had to have a clear COVID-19 test that was as recent as a week. It couldn't be, couldn't be older than a week. The clear test for COVID-19. If you had that, you were in. You were good to go. Now, protocols beyond that, I don't really know. I know that there is a campus-wide set of protocols that UA has come up with. UA on paper has been very clear and adamant about the serious nature in which it's taking uh, the COVID-19 virus. But... (laughs) It's still in what student athletes are getting on a daily basis or what they will get if there is a football season. I mean, you're hearing mandates of three tests a week, potentially, at least two. And what's the rest of the student base going to get? I'm symptomatic. I think I might need to be tested. That's going to trigger a test for just about everybody else. So, um, you know, it's obviously a lot of optics involved. Certainly, you want to consider the well-being and the health of the young people involved. First and foremost, no doubt about it. But when it's a situation where there's that much consideration given to a very small faction of the student base, and then meanwhile, everybody else can move into dorms, and all you need is one clear COVID-19 test, yeah, that seems a bit, uh, seems a bit unbalanced. We're going to head to our final break. When we come back, more of Southern Fried Sports on a Monday, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier. We got some winners and losers from the weekend. That's what I really wanted to talk about today, man. I didn't want to talk about the Big Ten being first once again, you know? And who really cares about the Big Ten anyway? How often do we see the Big Ten at the end of the road in college football? How many title games have we seen the Big Ten in? And how about the Pac-12 for that matter? Alfredo. Fredo. To Big Ten's Michael Corleone. Back with more of the show right after this. 
Partially sunny this afternoon. We'll have the chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms through the evening hours. Today's high 93, tonight's low 72. Tomorrow and Wednesday, a mix of sun and clouds both days with scattered afternoon and evening thunderstorms. Highs between 90 and 93. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Walking through forests of hungry apartments, scuffed the monkeys who live in that dark tent. Down by the water hole, drunk every Friday. Born on this day, in 1947. Ian Anderson, right there. Flautist, lead vocalist, and acoustic guitarist. British rock band Jethro Tull. It's going back in the going back in the vault just a little bit on a Monday morning here on Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peter Brook Chocolates. Here, hey, we talk so much about two things when it comes to the cleaning of your home and or your business, and two things: thorough and dependability. And you're going to get both of those things. With Chase's residential and commercial cleaning, Yakisha Barnes. Yashika is out of this world. Just a great person to know regardless. But again, very dependable, very thorough. Been doing this for 20 years. 20 years of quality service where Chase's residential and commercial cleaning is concerned. 205-886-3616. That's going to put you in touch with CEO and driving force of Chase's residential and commercial cleaning, the one, the only, Yashika Barnes. I can just tell you, when it comes to home services, when it comes to personal services, when it comes to anything in your day-to-day life, how many times have you tried to make that call? And for whatever reason, dependability is an issue. That's not going to be the case with Chase's residential and commercial cleaning. 205 886 How about some winners and losers from the football season? I'll tell you who's been a winner so far. I mean, there's been some stoppages of workouts uh, and things like that. But what about high school football? I mean, high school football in states that have already pushed back to the spring, high school football seems intent on making this thing happen, right? What about high school football in the state of Alabama? One week from Friday night, they're balling. In Alabama. Now, it'll be interesting to see if there's sort of a trickle-down effect should the SEC specifically make a call. But as things sit right now, and I'm happy for those kids, man, because similar to what we talked about with the college players, the effort, the time, coaches too, even more so the coaches on the high school level. You talk about a labor of love. To do it at the high school level, it is exactly that. So uh, for now, anyway, high school football looks to be a winner, a big winner on the golf tours from over the weekend, which we cover extensively these days with Tide on Tour at BamaOnline.com. Lee Hodges, former Alabama standout with his first Corn Ferry Tour win, 
over the weekend out in Portland. Lee Hodges now a lock to secure his playing privileges on the PGA Tour for 2020-21. You're also going to have uh, Davis Riley making that move up next season. But Lee Hodges gets the job done out in Portland. Alabama men's golf now in the last four weekends in a row has produced either a Corn Ferry or PGA Tour winner. Davis Riley, you've had Michael Thompson, Justin Thomas, and now Lee Hodges. How about some winners from Alabama men's golf? Let's head back to the phone line at 205-342-9904 and check in with our good friend Johnny down in Florida. Johnny, how you doing today? I'm good, Charles. How are you today? Hanging in there, my man. Just, you know, I feel like I'm a sparring partner for Mike Tyson in his prime at times. You know, the punches, the punches keep coming, but we just keep rolling with them, you know? I know, but when you get news like that these days, it's not as dramatic maybe in the past because you get used to bad news. We've had so much bad news. You're just like, oh, okay, we'll have to deal with this now, too. It is, and it's kind of why I've adopted from the start. With the SEC specifically, it's been, I'll believe the SEC isn't playing football this fall when I see it. And that's still my stance, even after what we saw with the Big Ten this morning uh, and what we're apparently going to see with the Pac-12. And look, it may eventually come to pass that the the numbers, the medicine, the science, whatever, you know, has the ear of school presidents to the extent where they're they're able to walk away from a table with tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars on it. Maybe that'll eventually prove to be the case. But that is why, first and foremost, my stance has been, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't know about you, Johnny. Well, I agree. And uh, first of all, I'll give you props on what you said about the optics, because I have this, as you know, I have the exact same concern. And it does seem to, to be a little hypocritical to say, oh, you know, you, it's safe enough for your, your daughter to come to school and get in a 13-story dorm, but it's not safe enough for the football program to continue. And they, so. and they need to let the players continue to access the facilities. That's my belief. But if they do that, they're essentially saying it's about the optics of game day, the product being out there for everyone to see. It doesn't seem like NCAA presidents, school presidents have a problem with student athletes toiling in anonymity on practice fields and in weight rooms and in facilities in general, but the optics of putting them out there under the bright lights in the midst of a pandemic, that, that's obviously a big part of this, Johnny. I mean, and again, I'm, yeah. I'm a recovering cynic, but, but I, I've got to admit that. Well, and I'm going to throw this out there. Just like the, the Big Ten uh, kept their players in limbo with, uh, as it was mentioned earlier today, possibly maybe retaining their their uh, yeah. services rather than telling them back around. in June. Yeah, yeah. so I, I kind of feel the same way. I, as a parent, and, and, and you know, including everyone else who has freshmen going into school, I kind of feel like those players for Ohio State Meaning, I kind of feel like the president, especially me, out-of-state tuition, I feel oh, like sure. the presidents are saying, hey, let's get those freshmen in. Let's just keep them, get them in there and get them on the on – the, Absolutely. On the, on the, yeah, and John, then – I felt that way the whole time about freshmen going into these schools 
And it won't surprise me one bit if the numbers get to a point in a month that our daughter's back home. But doing all remote learning at Alabama after the drop ad date, you know, and then that decision comes and then your, your, your money is already in there. You know what I mean? And, and like you said, yep. you're on that track now as a freshman. That's why the priority yep. has been to get freshmen on campus, I believe, all along. Yeah. So I just hope that, uh, you know, we're not those players. We're not those Big Ten players yeah. because I, I, I will feel, you know, I, I see the writing on the wall, and I don't want to be the, the bad parent and say, hey, why don't you sit this one out and just do community college for a year, and then we'll let you go have a full college experience because then I'm the, the negative yeah, Nancy. I feel you, you know? Johnny. Uh, that 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 thought that discussion has been had at the the higher levels of our home. Trust me, I, I I've said gap year more than once. You know, it, it's it, yeah. if a kid, a young person is thinking about just sitting this one out, just getting a part time job, sort of re, regrouping, and then at the first of the year, kind of you know proceeding with a plan for the fall of next year. This is the year to do it, man. Yeah. So you've been as successful as successful as I have, obviously. So. Exactly, because mine is over <laughs> yeah. at Wower Hall right now. Yes, correct. Yeah. So real, real <laughs> quick for the end of your show, we we we've got to mention a, a a winner, and it's an obvious winner, Colin Morikawa. Come on. Unreal. Not only Unreal. not only Colin, this is his first time even in the event, but I'm going to give a winner also to the PGA Tour because they're doing it right. And thank God they have because it's given us something to watch. Well, you know, I've ramped up the golf coverage at BamaOnline.com. First, because Alabama golf deserves it. I mean, you've got so many both men's and women's alums of the programs at UA on pro tours. But I'm also semi-anticipating what if there isn't SEC football in November, right? Mm -hmm. What what are Mm -hmm. we going to do then? Well, the Masters will look even better to us in November than it does sitting here right now if there's no SEC football. Uh, You'll have the U.S. Open next month, and you'll have the Masters in November. That's that's what I'm clinging to right now, Johnny. I don't know about you. No, and and for a future show for you, maybe touch on the fact that the NCAA did nothing to try to coordinate all five Super Fives, and now it's backlashing on them, and maybe it's the end of them. That's because ultimately Mark Emmert has no power. He's essentially, I talked about a sparring partner. That's pretty much Mark Emmert. He's paid what he's paid to stand up there and just take beatings. That's essentially what his gig consists of. Yeah, that's it. Thanks, Johnny. All right, buddy. There he goes, Johnny, checking in on a Monday. You heard the lunch whistle today. It's brought to you by Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section up Tuscaloosa, get by there. Make your Monday blues go away in the form of that Yardbird chicken sandwich. Maybe a nice meatloaf plate would do you some good as well. It's Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Thanks to Joe Gaither for producing it. Thanks to Hank Sal for joining us as well. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. The monkey see well in the strike of